You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. feel as if you're all alone in your particular situation? You're going up against something that's greater than yourself to be able to contend with? Disaster strengthened, threatened all. All seemed lost for David, but David could lean upon God for rest and support. You see, David had his trust firmly fixed upon the Lord. And so when we find ourselves in a similar situation, That's where you need to place your trust, firmly in the Lord. There'll be times in your life, believer, you'll face such difficult moments. Illness, persecution, inequality, trials. You realize that you simply can't get through any of it by yourself. But you have great advantage. Today, Pastor Mike will describe the blessing that God gives you through your trials in life. He's with you in every difficult moment, and He cares deeply for you. When you trust the Lord as David did, you can rest in His strength and wisdom. You can move forward confidently, knowing God will guide you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 22, as he continues his message, The Psalmist of Israel. What is most impressive about this description here is the magnificent way David describes God rising from his throne in heaven to respond to his servant's cry, parting the clouds and descending to fight the king David's battles, accompanied by earthquakes, thunder, storms, and lightning. Notice David also refers to God riding upon a cherub and flew. So David pictured the Lord coming to meet his need, coming with glory and speed. He came so fast to David that it seemed that God traveled upon the wings of the wind. And once again, let me remind you, what God did for David, he will also do for you. Speedily, God will respond. Well, let's pick up in verse 12. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. And this sort of parallels the parting of the Red Sea. For God's people through Moses when they were making the exodus out of Egypt. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke 
of the Lord at the blast of the breath of his uh, nostrils. So, all the forces of God's almighty power, every agency of nature, were mustered in order to deliver his anointed from death. God responding to the prayers of the one who is in distress. Listen, he will shake the earth to meet your needs. And then in verses 17 through 20, David shifts his focus upon his experience of God's inner position, that is, God's sovereign working in the lives of his people, that is, his involvement in the trials that we experience. Let's pick up now in verse 17, verses 17 through 20. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. He delighted in me. So David shifts his focus upon his experience of God's sovereign work within his life. His involvement in the trials that we experience. Notice the way that he describes it. Drawing me out of the waters. Have you ever felt like, again, you're drowning and you're going down for the third time? Well, God will draw you out of those waters that threaten to engulf us. He delivered me from my enemies. Notice uh, David testifies to the fact that we're stronger than himself. Have you ever felt like you were up against an enemy that was stronger than yourself? You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You feel as if you're all alone in your particular situation. You're going up against something that's greater than yourself to be able to contend with. Disaster strengthened, threatened all. All seemed lost for David, but David could lean upon God for rest and support. You see, David had his trust firmly fixed upon the Lord. And so when we find ourselves in a similar situation, that's where you need to place your trust, firmly in the Lord. Now, in verses 21 through 25, let's pick up there. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. And what I'm about to read is misconstrued by many people. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a moment. But let's read verses 21 through 25. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Wait a second. David wasn't without sin. I would remind you about his sin, committing adultery with Bathsheba, which led to the killing of her husband, Uriah, to cover his tracks. So what does David mean here? That God rewarded him, notice there, according to my righteousness. Listen, David wasn't always righteous. According to the cleanness of my hands. Hey, listen, David's hands wasn't always clean. But you know what? The truth be told, neither are our hands always clean, right? And uh, the Bible tells us that if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we deceive ourselves. So what in the world is David referring to here? Well, let's go on. Uh, Verse 22. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. Not always, David and have not wickedly departed from my God. Not true, David. For all of his judgments were before me. And as as for his statutes, I did not 
depart from them. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore the Lord had recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. Okay, so let's, let's just uh, stop there for a moment. These, first of all, let me clarify this. These are not the words or expressions of a proud, self-righteous man. To miss this is to misunderstand the nature of forgiveness. This is the restoration of an erring believer who has repented and therefore now is experiencing a place of blessing. And remember, as I mentioned before, what God did for David, he will also do for you. No matter what we've fallen into, no matter how great our sin, if we ask God to forgive us, he will restore us even as he did David. And once again, he will bring us back to that place of blessing. And therefore, we will be able to say with David, all that is contained within these verses of Scripture here. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. You know, it's just one prayer away. And asking God to forgive us. And then we'll experience that restoration that we once knew before we entered into that uh, sin. So don't miss this. Don't miss this because to misunderstand is to misunderstand the nature of forgiveness and cleansing us and taking our sin and removing it as far as the east is from the uh, west. You see, David actually is referring to here the best that he could do. That is, discharging his duties as a king. First of all, after he had been restored to that place of communion and fellowship with God once again, he did the best that he could do after being brought back to that place of repentance. He's describing his duties as a king and a child of God. So listen, we pick ourselves up, right? God helps us to do that. We brush ourselves off, right? And for us, it's a new beginning. Just by asking God to forgive us of our sins and making that commitment, God strengthen me in those areas where I've been weak. And Lord, help me not to fall into that sin ever again. Now, so don't misunderstand the words and the expressions that David uses here in verses 21 through 25. This is not someone who is proud and self-righteous. Now, the final division of this Psalms Uh, looks at the reasons or the grounds of David's protection and blessing. And that is the righteousness of God. That is the righteous ways that he deals with mankind. All of mankind. You see, God has a relationship with all of his creatures, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. Okay, let's read verses 26 through 31. With the merciful... You will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty, that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my uh, darkness. So, here in uh, verse Uh, 30, for by you I can run against the troop, by my God I can leap over a wall, as for God his way is perfect, 
The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who place their trust in him. And so, as I've already suggested, God works in the lives of all people, believers and non-believers alike. And he works in kind. Notice what it says there. To the merciful, he shows mercy, and etc., etc., right? As the list continues on here. If you are merciful uh, to others, well, then God will be merciful towards you. You see, God wants to help us. God wants to help all of mankind. But if God is to help us, there must be an inner harmony between him and us. You see, he does not lower his standards, but works through our personality traits. He's not going to do that work, bringing us to restoration, perfecting that work within our lives, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, you know, if we don't give him access to be able to do that, if we don't forsake our sinful ways. So he does not lower his standards, but works through our personality traits. Like, for example, let me uh, uh, share an example of this through one of the characters in the Old Testament. A great illustration of this would have been a Jacob. Jacob was also known as the supplanter or the conniver. He was someone who lived by his wit. And God dealt with him in such a way to try and turn him from his dishonest practices, his schemes. And what did God do? He shut him down, whereby he was no longer able uh, to live by his uh, wit. You see, God's way with us can be trusted. You know, when God crippled uh, Jacob, remember when he fought with him uh, the night before his brother Esau caught up with him. Remember, Jacob ripped off his brother Esau's birthright, and he had sworn a vow that he was going to track down his brother Jacob and kill him. And remember, the night uh, before Esau actually caught up with him, he wrestled with an angel. And I believe that that angel was none other than Jesus himself. It was a theophanies, what is known as a theophanies, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And what did Jesus do to him? He crippled him, whereby he wasn't able to run. His schemes would no longer work for his behalf, and he had to face the music. You see, he shut him down. And often that's exactly what God will do for us and to us. He'll shut us down, whereby we can only turn to God as our recourse, you see. And so God works through our own personalities and our personality traits, helping us to become the men and women that he wants us to become. God deals with all of us in righteous ways. And then in verses 32 through 36, let's pick up there. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. So David's long and eventual life has given him the right to testify to the superiority, the reliability of the Lord over all else, over all deities. And notice in this portion 
of this psalm how he recognizes the advantages of physical strength. Agility, he refers to himself as a deer, as being agile as a, a deer, you know, running over the rocks, having, uh, you know, the foothold and, and uh, being very agile as it relates to him coming up against his enemies. So the advantages of physical strength, agility, energy, all of which are important qualifications in times of battle, all of which are gifts that come from God. It's all a part of God's care and help for his people. And then we have mention, notice, of God's reward of his servant. Let's pick up now in verses 37 through 39. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them, and I wounded them, so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. Notice the phrase, you have enlarged my steps. The picture here is that of a long-distance runner. God had enlarged his capacity so that he could lengthen his stride. Outrun the enemy. It's referring to an increased capacity. And this increased ability enabled David to pursue and overtake and destroy his enemies. And listen, God will give you capacities to be able to deal with whatever you come up against as well. Also notice, God did not remove the enemies, the obstacles, but rather he helped him cope with them. And again, what God did for David, he will also do for you. You know, all of a sudden, you'll have a greater understanding, greater wisdom. You'll know how to approach your struggles, your difficulties, the people that you're dealing with, those that are coming up against you. God will give you these supernatural capacities in that moment. You can be sure of that, even as he did David. And then in verses 40 through 43, he restates how the Lord had helped him and how David put down all who opposed him. Let's pick up now in verse 40. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rise against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. So here David speaks of how Israel's enemies, and think about all of the different enemies that David encountered over his lifetime, you know, Goliath, Saul, the Philistines, the Ammonites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, all of those ites, right? So here David speaks of how Israel's enemies had eventually capitulated to God's king David. They brought tribute to David. They brought obedience to David. They became David's vassals. Do you see that there? And then finally, verses 47 through 51. And before we actually read this, I want to take note of what one writer said in describing these final verses of this psalm, verses 47 through 51. One writer describes it in this way. 
It's like some great symphony with its various movements, some soft, some temptuous at times, worshipful, and at other times full of strident moments that are loud and harsh, that eventually comes to a grand climax, causing people to break into applause. Okay, so let's read those final verses here in this psalm. Verse 47. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted. The rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles or the unbelievers, and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. And so the psalm of David concludes on a note that establishes God's sovereignty in the mind of the reader. That would be you and me. Based upon his knowledge of the Lord and his experience, David could say with confidence, God lives. Can you make that same statement? That you know without question, without doubt, that God lives. And that he's working in and through your life. That his hand is upon you. That there's nothing going on in your life except what God is allowing to go on. And whatever God is allowing to go on, it's for a specific reason and purpose. And that specific reason and purpose is for your good. Remember, God was the object of David's trust. And he answered all of David's prayers. He fulfilled all of the promises that he made to David. Do you know that God lives and is active in your life? That he's taken up your cause? Hey, listen, David would have us know as we read this psalm, as we go through it and break it down, David would have us to know that God's blessings are not reserved for a select few, that his strength and resources are available to all who call upon him in sincerity and truth. Let me leave you with this one cross-reference from the scriptures, Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I trust and I hope that all of you have called upon the name of the Lord. And what God did for David, he will also do for you. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for tuning in. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Fenizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. 
We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. And we're praying for you. Thanks again for joining us today. And we look forward to our continuing study of 2 Samuel next time, right here on In My Father's House. There's a place for